Hey guys, thank you for tuning in on today's show. We are going to talk about the unfortunate passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what she meant to this country and, of course, how it is going to affect the upcoming election and how it's going to ultimately affect the Supreme Court of the United States. We'll also talk a little bit about the upcoming election and the debates and a little bit more. So, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Brian Rundle. This is Run's House. Let's get it started. even more women on the high court bench. There will be enough when there are nine. (laughs) Nobody asks any questions about all the years when all nine were men. Men and women are persons of equal dignity and they should count equally before the law. You won't settle for putting Susan B. Anthony on the new dollar. (laughs) (laughs) When they would say things like this, how did you respond? Well, never in anger, as my mother told me. That's, that would have been self-defeating. Always as an opportunity to teach. And I was listening to him and disagreeing with a good part of what he said. But thought he said it in an absolutely captivating way. <laughs> I think we should leave it at that point. Someday we will go back to having the kind of legislature that we should where members, whatever party they belong to, want to make the thing work and cooperate with each other to see that that will happen. I mean, it was that way in 1993 when I was was nominated for this good job. If you want to be a true professional, you will do something outside yourself. That's what I think a meaningful life is. One lives not just for oneself, but for one's community. So the year 2020 continuing to do its thing as solidifying itself is one of the worst years on record. That, of course, is the voice of the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And if this election season wasn't confusing and toxic enough, now we have the death of a woman who is a voice of sanity on the Supreme Court, a woman who protected the rights of women, protected the rights of minorities, and even protected the rights of men. Certainly there are going to be political ramifications now that another Supreme Court seat is open. But of course, before we get into the political ramifications of the seat being open, I would certainly like to point out what Ruth Bader Ginsburg meant to this country. She was a small, fragile woman, but she stood up to power that was way bigger than a lot of us. She did not let the status quo get in her way of what she believed was right. She was 87 years old when she died, so 
obviously she was doing this at a time where women really were not revered and their opinions were not taken very seriously. But she had a demeanor about her and she, from her own words, was taught by her mother to stand up for yourself, be independent, but do it in a manner that what she referred to was as ladylike. And ladylike was basically don't get angry when you're arguing your point because it's really not going to get you anywhere. But if you do it in a manner that is intelligent and straightforward, that people will start to listen. And people did. They listened to her. She was integral in the findings of quite a few cases a few in particular, the Lilly Ledbetter Act, which actually happened to be the very first bill that Barack Obama signed into law when he took over the presidency. Basically, the Lilly Ledbetter Act was a case involving a woman who worked for Goodyear and she was getting paid 40% less than the men were getting paid in the same exact position. She also argued in the case to allow women to enroll into the Virginia Military Institute, which was an all-boys club until she got a hold of the case. And now women are allowed to join an institute that was only reserved for men. There's also a case that she fought for men's rights. There was a case in which a husband and wife had a baby. The wife unfortunately died during labor, but the wife was the breadwinner of the family. So the husband, who was going to stay home with the child, he was going to be a stay-at-home father, he went to file for Social Security the same way a woman would do if she had a child and she was a stay-at-home mother and the husband died. She would be able to go file for Social Security so she would be able to earn some money because the breadwinner of the family had passed away. Well, when the husband went to file for Social Security, the law was only for mothers because it was looked at in those days that men, of course, were the ones who were working and women stayed home with the child. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg argued that what is good for the woman should be good for the man. And of course, she came out on the winning end and the husband was able to collect the Social Security that a woman was able to collect if the spouse passed away. She was appointed to the Supreme Court in 1993 by President Bill Clinton. She was just the second woman ever to hold the title as Supreme Court Justice, of course, Sandra Day O'Connor being the first. She developed a very oddball sort of relationship with Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, who was about the most conservative judge on the Supreme Court. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, being one of the more liberal judges. In fact, when she first started, she was a little bit more down the middle. I mean, she leaned more liberal, but she was a little bit more down the liberal or liberal side. But as time went on and more conservative judges were appointed to the Supreme Court, she had to start going a little bit more left because she needed to defend and protect a lot of the liberties that were trying to be taken away. So no later than maybe an hour or two after her death, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell 
stated that they were ready to fill that seat, replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and we're going to get it done before the election, which, you know, we're going to go over here in a minute, all of the hypocrisy of 2016, but I was on, if you were able to catch it, I was on live with What's Up People News TV while the news broke, so we learned about it while we were talking about it. And by the way, I had a great time with those guys. I really appreciate them having me on. I hope you were able to check that out live. If you were not, you could go back and look at the replay. Just go to YouTube, put in channel 323, and you should be able to find the show there. So uh, again, I had a great time with those guys. Frosty Knowledge, who's been on my show a few times, her co-host Frosty McNuggets was there too. And we just basically sat around shot the shit, and we tried to solve all the world's problems. And I'm not sure if we were able to do so, but we did our best, I think. But I think we all know we still have work to do. But again, going back to the appointing of a new Supreme Court justice, this Republican Party, man, they have some balls. I mean, they have a... Actually, they don't have balls. They have zero shame. Have no shame whatsoever. We can find clip after clip after clip after clip of these idiots back in 2016 saying, we cannot appoint a new Supreme Court justice during an election year. We have to wait until after the election, and then we will do it. And, of course, you surely know the story. Barack Obama appointed Merrick Garland to be the next Supreme Court justice, and the Republicans said, nope, it's an election year. We have to wait until next year, and that's what we're going to do. And sure enough, they got away with being able to do it. They controlled the Senate, so they were able to block the nomination of Merrick Garland, and subsequently Donald Trump was elected to office, and he has since appointed two judges to the Supreme Court, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. I'm sure you guys remember him. And he is trying his damnedest to pull off a third one. And it is very possible that he may be able to do so. So the Democrats are going to try every single angle they can. And, you know, we're at a point now that the Democrats need to do everything they can at this point, because instead of laying back and letting the Republicans roll over them once again, this time you shoot every cannon. You do everything you can to make sure this is stopped. I mean, I've, as I pointed out, the hypocrisy of these people and the absolute shameless manner in which they continue to proceed is outrageous. I'm about to play a clip here, and hopefully it's already been heard at least 50 times, but I'm playing it again because even if this is a very small audience, anybody that listens to this needs to listen to it again, and this needs to be played every day until we settle this thing correctly. I want you to use my words against me. We are setting a precedent here today, Republicans are, that in the last year that you're not going to fill the vacancy of the Supreme Court. If an opening comes in the last year of President Trump's term and the primary process has started, we'll wait to the next election. Senator Lindsey Graham has already said the president has his support. You could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. That's Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Surely you recognize his voice, but he wasn't the only one. Crazy Ted Cruz, Little Marco of 
Florida, all now coming out. They they were the ones who originally said, if this happened to a Republican or if this happened to a Democrat, we would say the same thing. So we're just telling you right now that we are standing strong and we are not allowing this Supreme Court judge to go through because it's an election year. And now they're all changing their tune. And none of it really is shocking. Now, there is a little bit of disappointing news. We all thought we had Mitt Romney on our side and Mitt was the voice of reason over there, but he has already stated that he will allow the confirmation to go through. Lisa Murkowski already said she will not. Susan Collins claims that she wouldn't, but who the hell believes a word that comes out of her mouth? But you would need four votes on the Republican side, and it appears right now as if they only have two. So the Democrats have a battle ahead of them, so and they got to do whatever it is they can to stop this nomination because what's right is right and what's fair is fair but right now they've turned this into a war and they've got to do whatever it is they can now the republicans are trying to really figure out whether or not they should try to push this through before the election or they should go ahead and get the nominee before the election and then vote for it after the election is over and one of the reasons why they may want to wait until the election is over is because they are trying to solidify the seats of some of the people in Congress in the Senate. So in other words, they think more people may come out and vote for some of these senators to keep them so they are able to have the amount of votes to push through this nominee after the election is over. If they do it before the election, then they may say, well, we got what we wanted. We got our Supreme Court justice. Now we don't necessarily have to go out and vote for these particular senators or maybe we'll vote for the other guy. But, you know, there's there's a lot of strategy coming into this and they're trying to figure out exactly the best way to go. I've had some conversations and there are some people that do believe that this does help the Republicans. They think it's going to help more people come out and vote. And I tried to argue with them a little bit and say, well, I'm not really sure that that is true because most Republicans who care about the Supreme Court and who fills that seat and the main reason for them caring about who fills the seat in the Supreme Court is to finally have Roe versus Wade overturned. I think those people were coming out to vote anyway. I don't I don't think that there were some people on the fence that were really anti-abortion going, oh, I'm not really sure if I was going to go out and vote this time around. I think most people who are that passionate about being anti-abortion were going to vote no matter what was the, the case. In fact, I also did hear some statistics of people going around and asking, does this make a difference? And it turns out that it really hasn't. The other thing to consider here is that 70 plus percent of the United States is pro-choice. So I don't know if it has that big of an impact. I may be wrong. But again, now we're just going into this political season with yet another unknown. I said that every week leading up to this election is going to get crazier and crazier. We certainly did not expect this to happen, but you know, again, we're right at about 6 weeks until the election and this is just going to be 
the most unbelievable six weeks we've ever seen. There is more stuff coming that we cannot predict right now, but it's coming and how it's going to be handled and how we deal with it is the question of the year. I mean, all of this stuff, when it continues to pile up, when you're talking about coronavirus, you're talking about unemployment, you're talking about not being able to pay your bills, you're talking about the death of a Supreme Court justice that could change Roe versus Wade. We are talking about the most bizarre and frustrating year that, for me personally, the most bizarre and frustrating year I've ever lived. And I lived through the worst recession in the history of this country leading back to the Great Depression. That was a really tough time, but you battled your way through it and things got better and you were able to work your way through. But everything that has piled up this year will take a toll on you after a while. I mean, it will mentally and physically drain you. But at the end of the day, we still have to fight. We still have to continue and not let our guard down. We just got to say, screw it. This is what it is. And we're going to have to take this fight all the way to election day, which is, like I said, we're talking less than six weeks away now. We're going to have our first debate next week, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, of course. And as I said before, I keep telling people, I can't wait till this debate. Joe Biden's going to kick the shit out of Donald Trump in a debate. He really will. I really, truly believe that. Joe Biden's going to come with something that will be difficult for Donald Trump to understand, and that's something called facts. He will come to the debate with facts. They will prep Joe Biden well, and Joe Biden will do very well in the debate. Also, you know, they keep talking about the way they're concerned about Joe Biden and what he might say and how he might flub his words. But we're going up against this guy. Okay, that was the first little time. Then he went, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, I love Donald Trump. I got the Nobel Peace Prize nomination, a Peace Prize Nobel nomination. We will defend the dignity of work and we will defend the the sanctity of life. America will land the first woman on the moon and the United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Mars. Yeah, we're going against that guy. The guy who just said we're going to land a man on NARS. Where the fuck is NARS? Excuse my language. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Joe Biden's going to blow this idiot out. And we didn't have to go deep to find that clip. That just happened last week at one of his Corona Fest rallies. But, uh, man, I don't know. It's going to be the next six weeks are going to be very interesting to see. You know, I'm trying to muster up the energy as much as I can. I've been really tired lately. I don't know what the hell is going on, but I am just tired. Like, I mean, the kind of tired I came home from work the other day. I just laid down for like 15 minutes and I happened to wake up, had no idea what day it was. I didn't know where I was at. I felt like I got punched in the face by Mike Tyson. I woke up I went out in the living room. I saw it was 6.30. I'm like, 6.30? I thought it was 6.30 in the morning. I thought I had to go to work. I'd only been laid down for 15 minutes. Is that something I should go get checked out? Is that a problem? I'm getting concerned. But anyway, as always, guys, I thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. I've had a 
kind of a really busy and crazy week, so I'm going to try to get an episode on for Friday. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that happens, but as always, I appreciate you guys downloading and listening. If you can, please rate and review the show. Of course, subscribe to it. I thank again uh, the guys over at What's Up People News TV on YouTube. I had a great time with those guys. Please check that out if you can on Channel 323 YouTube. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at brun13. And if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me at runshousepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys again for listening, and I will talk to you again soon.